On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about work. It's not a popular topic in our sub, in our uh, society today, but it is a topic that the scriptures speak extensively about. What about work? Is it uh, something that's good? Is it part of the first curse? Uh, you know, back in uh, Genesis <clears throat> chapter three, when uh, man fell and God cursed man, was work part of that curse? Or is it something that's good and uh, designed by God? We'll talk about work on the virtual Bible study tonight. Don't go anywhere. We'll get started right after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome to the virtual bible study for thursday june 8th 2017 we're glad you're a part of the program tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is out of town preaching tonight in his absence, I've got, uh, well, I've got a powerhouse with me here tonight. Uh, Monty Overton's in my father's seat. Uh, welcome to the program, Monty. Thank you, Jacob, but the other one's the powerhouse. Well, both of you are. It's a tag team, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. and, uh, and uh, Josh McCord is here as well. Josh, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to and, be here. And behind the controls, uh, Kyle is here again tonight. Kyle, welcome back. It's good to be here. Two weeks in a row. You ought to be, uh, you ought to be on the top of your game tonight. Yep, I should be. I and and uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you as well, 877-381-4567, questions at college view.com uh, we're not on facebook tonight having some problems with facebook but if you're watching us from our website you can still sign in the chat room with other listeners there and share your comments via the chat room we'll look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight and if you need a bumper sticker talk to some folks uh, earlier this week and saying they needed to get a bumper sticker it's very easy to do that you send an email with your snail mail address to questions at collegeview.com we'll get a free bumper sticker in the mail to you and help you Spread the word about uh, the virtual Bible study. And for those who have those bumper stickers uh, driving around wherever you may be, wherever in the world you are, thank you for helping us get that word out. All right. Thanks for joining us on the program tonight. And, uh, well, work is something, well, Monty, that's not uh, looked upon favorably in our society today. Yeah, most people in our society, they think work is one of those four-letter words we're not supposed to say. It's well, it is a four-letter word. Yeah, but not... I think they equate it with some yeah, of the okay. others that we're not oh, going to okay. say. All right. and, um, but they look at it like it's a dirty word, and they do everything they can to get out of it. But I think as we study through our study tonight, we'll see that we should probably have a different attitude about it. All right. And, uh, Josh, I guess in, in our society today, those who have to work are sort of viewed as the less fortunate ones, those that, uh, you know, they have the poor folks had to work. Yeah, I mean, there's there's people that I know of that work harder at getting out of doing work than they do to just actually do the job task at hand well you're in human resources in your day right. job and um i'm sure you come in contact with folks all sure. the time if you work as something that's uh real bad sure yeah there's a there's a minority of of people there that are trying to get out of doing work and and want to put the work off on others but i think it's just a mindset that our culture has started to develop you know we don't want to have to work i'd rather just not do anything and just have it come to me, but that's not the way that, that God intended it at all. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. What do you think about work? What is, how does our society view it? Uh, the problem with, with our society is that it can begin to influence us if we're not careful. Romans chapter 12, we know it uh, reminds us of the danger of that. Uh, it tells us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove whether it is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Uh, the conforming process of the, the world Money is a, it's a gradual process, and the devil uses those in our society who are living wicked lives to transform us, or to conform us, rather, to uh, an image that's not acceptable to God. And, and he does that by trying to get us to think like the world, to get our attitudes like the world, and we can very easily slip into it in this area of work. You know, we're constantly bombarded with, uh, we'll use the term, negative information from the devil and the way he tries to get us to conform. Uh, Everywhere we go, we see people, like we talked about, trying to do things to get out of work, trying to act like work's a bad thing. And not just work, but every moral, spiritual subject we can think of, the devil's just constantly, it's like a drip of water on a stone. 
one little drip doesn't do anything, but after years of it continual dripping, it erodes a little hole in the stone. And if we're not careful, we're the same way. We we let our guard down a little bit, and it erodes us away. And the next thing you know, we've conformed to the world rather than been transformed by the Word. All right, and so we've got to make sure that our thinking is in line with God's Word. So what does God's Word then tell us about work? Is it, in fact, one of those things that should be avoided, one of those things that's bad? Well, go back to the Garden of Eden, Josh, and we see that in a perfect world, there was work to be done. Yeah, that's one that's one example that stands out to me so much that even in a perfect environment that God placed man in, he had responsibility. He had something to do. He had to, to dress the garden, to tend it, to keep it. And so there was responsibility on him, even in a perfect environment. And so we, you know, people people think, now oh, in a perfect environment, I would just be kicked back. I wouldn't have to do anything. I'd be, yeah, I'd be on a sandy beach somewhere yeah. with my feet up and uh, just yeah, soaking but, in the rays. But the best thing for man, and God knows the best thing for man, the best thing for him was to have responsibility. To be busy. Right. To be industrious. Genesis right. chapter 2, verse 15, God put man in the garden to dress it and keep it. Certainly some work to be done there. Certainly some responsibility. A perfect world. Work, then, is not a bad thing. Right. This is the way God had built us. He, he could have built us money as to, to be totally passive, and where we didn't have to do anything to get the things that we need. Could have made us like a, like a tree. That just and I heard a famous preacher mention that in his sermon yeah. a few days ago, yeah. Yeah. that uh, we could have been made like a tree, and then you know the rain's just going to come fall on us, the air's going to blow by us, and we'll soak what we need up out of that, and our feet would be roots in the dirt, and... We'll just get it, what it we need out of it, and all we got to do is just manage to stand there. Uh, God made organisms that could live yeah. and thrive with not, without doing anything, but he made us, on the other hand, with hands and ability to work, and he designed us that way, you would say, that he, he, he built us to work. We're built that way. Uh, someone, it's been said that even lazy people wouldn't have enjoyed the Garden of Eden uh, because there was work there, yeah. uh, and so work is definitely then not a bad thing. You know, and we don't really know necessarily what was involved in that dressing and keeping. I, I get the impression because after they fall, God told him he's going to have to raise his f- food by the sweat of his brow. So apparently the work that he had to do in the Garden of Eden wasn't as difficult. There weren't weeds and briars and things like that at the time, according to what the scriptures tell us in Genesis there. So, But there was still some kind of work involved in dressing and keeping this perfect garden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, certainly... Uh, things to be done. Uh, Kevin's in the chat room saying that there's some uh, well, some negative commercials on our video feed tonight. We had to go back to the old Ustream tonight, so I uh, apologize for the commercials that will be interrupting you as we go. That's the only way we could get out tonight. Um, someone might say, though, you know, I thought work was part of the curse. And back in Genesis chapter 3, when man fell, Josh, um, there certainly was some aspect of that in the curse you want to read that passage for us there in genesis 3 sure genesis 3 starting verse 17 says and unto adam he said because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which i commanded thee saying thou shalt not eat of it cursed is the ground for thy sake and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field and the sweat of thy face thou shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground for out of it Wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Yeah, so definitely things things changed and it got a little bit more harsh for man after after the fall. And it wasn't going to be as easy, apparently, as it was before. And so there's going to be thorns and thistles to deal with, and we're still dealing with those today. Um, but it wasn't the work that was the curse. But it wasn't the work. It was, that the, was, it was the difficulty and right. the conditions. The, of difficulty it. and conditions. So work is a good thing. Right. God made certain aspects of our work difficult. And frustrating, but uh, the work itself is is a good thing in the way that we were designed. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeu.com. What do you think in the chat room tonight? What's the attitude of our society toward work? What should be the Christian's attitude towards work? Is it a bad thing? Is it a God designed thing? Are we, uh, in fact, even blessed with uh, the work and the ability to be industrious? Let us know your thoughts. We're looking forward to hearing from you. In Second Thessalonians chapter three verse ten, money. Uh, we're told that uh, that we're to be working, uh, that we're here uh, uh, to work. It's a part of God's command. Why why should we work? We asked that question in our to our update list earlier today. Uh, what are some reasons why Christians should work in their daily lives? Uh, Kent uh, from Calhoun, Georgia, responded. Thank you, Kent, for your comments tonight. He said. Uh, first to the question about whether or not work is part of the curse. He says work is a component 
part of God's original plan for humanity, we deduce this biblical truth in noting that Adam and Eve had work requirements before they sinned. So it was part of God's design. The way God built us, it is a good thing. And then why work? Uh, Kent's reasons why. He says there's numerous reasons why Christians must work because God has so commanded and to be profitable in our society in which we live, to live a, provide a living for ourselves and families, to stay busy enough to keep Satan out of our lives. I like a lot of those comments. The first of those being that it's a command uh, to work. And Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 highlights that money. It says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So Paul states there that this is a command that we're supposed to be working, and if we won't do it, we ought not to get to eat. So he doesn't want us to just sit around like the tree and expect things to just come to us he expects us god expects us and commands us there that we be busy ourselves with work and in order to provide for our own needs all right and uh in our society today though unfortunately josh it is possible for folks to not work and still eat a lot of those social safety nets that are detrimental to our society because people aren't fulfilling this command right yeah i think you're think you're absolutely right so you know, God knows what's best for us. He wants us. It sort of ties into a lot of other things. We're supposed to be good stewards of what we have. And so when we work and he blesses us and then we return a portion of that back to him and then we provide for our families, he's He's doing it for our good. Our good is not to just have others take care of me unless I'm incapable of, of working. Um, but the right thing for us to do, it's not optional. He wants us to work and provide for ourselves. All right, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Now then that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. This is to provide for our needs. Uh, we've got to be diligent in being industrious. Mike? You know, when we think about it in the New Testament, we read several examples of people that were disabled in one way or another, and it talks about them being taken here or there so that they could beg alms. So even the... They couldn't do much. They were blind or crippled or whatever. They couldn't do much, but they wasn't expecting people just... They had to go out and get to get what they needed. They would, they were taken somewhere or somehow managed to get someplace where people could help them out. Yep. So they had some to contribute some amount of effort themselves into it. And they wasn't like they just sat home expected people to come bring Kroger carts full of groceries to them. Yeah, Kyle, um, I'm sure in your uh, line of work you see it as well. Those who dread, hate, and uh, dodge work uh, and view it as some type of uh, curse and want to get out of it. Uh, yet the scriptures are very clear. Uh, that we need to be working uh, to provide for our needs. Oh, yes, which I do see it occasionally. It's, but I do know uh, we're supposed to work um, so that we have enough to give and share to others. And, you know, it's what uh, that's what Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, 28 says. You know, we're supposed to perform with our own hands what is good so we'll have something to share with the one who has, who has need. So we need to, we're supposed to strive to work so we can give back. And, you know, it's just the attitude we're supposed to have. So. That's a good point, Kyle, and uh, we need to get into that. And, and, and Kyle, or Kent mentioned it in his email, uh, to provide for ourselves and our families, but it's also to provide for those uh, around us who have needs. Um, and you referenced Ephesians 4.28. You've got it, you got it pulled up there? Yeah. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'll start. Say, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. All right, so it's not that we're going to work so that we can pile up large masses of, of wealth for ourselves only and hoard it. In fact, we've got an example of that, uh, Monty and the rich fool who mm-hmm. piled up for himself and laid back on it and said, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 tells us that we need to be have a, a, a giving spirit. Yeah, we've, we should be generous because when we stop and think about it, if I have the ability to work and earn a living, it's because God gave me that ability. He, mm-hmm. he created the, ultimately created the technology that I use to do my work with. I mean, I, we wouldn't have anything without these blessings from God to begin with. So since I understand that I'm not, I don't really own anything, I'm just a steward of it for the short time that I'm here, then I need to be generous and help those that have need and, and, and do things like that rather than just saying, well, I got mine, you got your, you go get yours. I mean, we need to be sharing with it because there's people that genuinely can't do for themselves, and we need to recognize that and recognize our responsibility to help those people. And if we have the ability to work, as you mentioned, Monty, mm-hmm. maybe I've got enough to provide for my needs, but I've got another God-given obligation to be providing for the needs of others. That's right. And so I can't just look at myself and say, you know, I think i got a big enough bank account. I can set back on this, eat, drink, and be merry. 
there's others around me that are going to need the ability, the talents that I have, the ability that I have to help those who are less fortunate. Hey, and too, and I was thinking in the Old Testament, there was provision made for the ones that were poor. You know, they, the crops were left, so, so the people that were working and were gaining for themselves, they were to leave a portion for the ones that were poor, but then the ones that were poor didn't just sit at home and have food brought to them. They had to still go out in the field and, and gather the food for themselves. So even you see both sides of the coin well, in the Old true. Testament that's as well. That's point about the gleaning there. Right. They still had to do some right. work themselves. Right. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. We're going to get a break. When we get back, we'll get your thoughts. And they're getting some of those nasty ads again in, in, the, in the video feed. Uh, we apologize for that tonight. Uh, some technical difficulties that we could not uh, work around. Uh, we'll hopefully have those resolved by next week. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to get a break. We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. I'm Trent Haynes, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a reminder about the update mailing list for the virtual Bible study. Every Thursday shortly after noon, an email message is sent out with information about the topic for discussion on that evening's program. You're invited to start sending feedback and comments that are then included during the broadcast. If you'd like to be added to our update list, just send a message to questions at collegeview.com and put add me to the list in the subject line. That's all there is to it. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Small deeds done are better than great deeds planned. A weak mind is like a microscope which magnifies trifling things but cannot receive great ones. Better to be alone than in bad company. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program now as we talk about work and uh, what God tells us about it. You know, the book of Proverbs tells us a, a lot about work and about uh, being industrious. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, beginning, tells us to look at the ant. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come on as one that uh, as one that tra- tra- uh, traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Um, the proverb writer says there, you don't have to look very far. Just look at a little bitty ant, and they're busy working. And uh, we ought to have the same attitude in our lives. We ought to be busy. As, uh, the idea there, um, as you look for employees, uh, Josh, self-starter. Mm-hmm. There's a self-starter there, the ant. Doesn't have to be told to get to work. Uh, they know what to do, and they go do it. Right. You know, and it contrasts that with uh, what we might think of as a lazy person. It says a little sleep, a little slumber. Uh, when we rise out of your sleep, a little folding of the hands to sleep. And you kind of get the idea of here's this person as well. I know that I know I need to be out doing this or that, but I, I'm really kind of tired. I, yeah. I need to take a nap. Well, he takes his nap. Well, I'm too tired. I'm to... too tired now. I just don't feel good. I've I've slept too long now. I ain't got time to to get out and do this task, whatever it was. So I, maybe I can get to it tomorrow or the next day. So, and, but at the same time, then he contrasts that with the ant. Nobody has to tell the ant to go. He just goes. He he knows he's got work to do, and he busies himself about doing it. And nobody has to be constantly watching him. He knows it needs done. He just does it. He does it. And and, uh, but, and, and we see the, the consequences of not working there. Yeah, one of the at work, one of the statements I hear a lot of times from the supervisors is, well, you know, that guy, when he's here, he is, he is great. He's a great employee when he's here. But he's only here half the time. And so, you know, it, it seems like even ones that, that do work, well, they only want to, they only want to go at it half the time and that's not going to cut it for a christian then our work ethic ought to be i'm going to i'm going to be there i'm going to be there when i'm supposed to be i'm committed to be there and i've got to show up i've got to work uh, and that's just not the attitude that a lot of people a lot of people have today all right proverbs 12 verse 11 says he that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread but he that followeth the vain persons is void of understanding we're providing for our needs here and uh and the idea is be industrious Use the blessings that you've got. Use the land you got in the agrarian society here to make something of it. In our society today, use the talents that you've got, the time and ability that you've got to provide for your needs. We need to be doing that. Uh, it's very clear. All right. Uh, any other thoughts? Anything from you behind the board tonight, uh, Kyle? Nothing yet? All right. No. Okay. Um, and I want to go back to that um, Pat, that comment you made, Kyle, about providing for the needs of others in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 again. 
even though I may have my needs provided, there's something else in this equation that I've got to consider, and that's the needs of others. I've got to be working to provide for the needs of others. The scriptures over and over again tell us to be cheerful givers, to be generous givers. Ephesians chapter 11, or sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1, beginning. Cast thy bread upon the waters, and thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. That idea of throwing bread on the waters, sort of an idea of being somewhat indiscriminate, money and generous with our giving, you're just throwing it out there. Um, I think that's a good admonition for us all. You know, there's some people that we see that come and beg, and, and we're reasonable just begging because they're lazy and don't want to work. But there's other times that we may have a question in our mind we don't know for sure. Go ahead and help them. Uh, because if, if, if they're actually illegitimate and don't really need the help, that's between them and God. That's not my responsibility. My mm-hmm. response is to help people that I perceive to have a need and to look for that need. And if, if they really didn't have a need, if they was really just swindling me, that's not my problem. I don't have to take care of that. That's between them and God. Right. I've done what I was supposed to do. I think probably, <clears throat> Josh, we could do a better job even in the church with looking out for the needs of others and maybe being a little bit more generous. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we could could always do better, but I definitely think that in the in the church, I think sometimes a pride, sense of pride, we don't want to if we're on the side that may need the help, we don't want to ask for help. I don't want anybody to know about my problems, what I've got going on. But on the other side of it, when we know that there's a need, I think sometimes we think, well, they could be doing better and and we so I think we could work on on both sides of that. All right, 877-381-4567. Give us a call tonight. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Philip in the chat room said, There is physical work we are to provide for our families and such, but we are to be doing spiritual work as well. He mentions Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Titus chapter 2, verses 14, then chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and one, chapter, one and, chapter 3 of Titus, verses 1 and verse 7. Certainly, uh, Philip, we appreciate those comments. Uh, we do need to be busy in spiritual activities, and um, we'll talk. We'll touch on that a little bit as we get to the end of the program. But uh, we're especially focusing on this on the physical aspect as well. Uh, and we're going to look at the at the end of the program, Philip. You want to stay tuned because we're going to look how those are inter- intertwined and, and linked, uh, the physical as well as the spiritual. Um, we need to be busy. Working because God commanded it, working to provide for our needs, and working so that we have to give to those who are, who give to others who are in need. Uh, and if we're not busy working, we won't be able to do any of those things uh, that God has commanded. But there's also uh, another aspect to this idea of work, money, and that is uh, that I, it's very clear from the scriptures that work brings blessings from God. Well, it does, because for one thing, it keeps us from sitting around being lazy all the time. It, gives us something to focus on and if we're busy and focused on something then we don't have so much time for the devil to intrude into our lives and affect us in in negative ways spiritually so the work is is good for that that's what kent says in his email he says to stay busy enough to keep satan out of our lives that's a problem and we'll notice it later on especially as we go along but we can mention it now the the widows uh, in uh first timothy chapter five Notice that the younger widows were told to marry. Why? Because if they weren't married, they would be idle. Mm-hmm. And what would come with the idleness in First Timothy 5, verse 11 through 14? They'd become tattlers and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Idleness is an avenue that Satan can use to cause us to sin. We've known people like that. Um, you look at... Um, Maybe celebrities or sports stars who have millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. What are their lives like, Josh? Usually, the usually they're miserable. They're yeah. miserable. They're and engaged in all kinds of things that are getting them in trouble. Married and divorced multiple times. And, Drug addictions. Yeah. yeah, crime. Idleness is an avenue where those things can get into our lives. Being idle, not being busy, is a problem that Christians need to be aware of. Work helps us to avoid that problem. Yeah, if we're if we're busy and with something that occupies us physically and mentally challenging, then we really don't have time to think about simple things because we're focused on what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Deuteronomy chapter six verse twenty four. We mentioned it often on the program. Tells us that God's commands are for our good always. A general uh, concept there that was true in the Old Testament. We believe it's true as well. And if 
we believe that, then when God told me to work, then I must understand that it's for my benefit, it's for my blessing, if I follow those commands. Yeah, that's just the way it has to be, logically. That's the conclusion we'd come to. And um, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18, Josh tells us uh, that, uh, that work provides us an opportunity to enjoy those blessings from God. God has chosen that he's going to bless us through the avenue of our work. Right, and God created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves, and he knows what is best for us. And so when he tells us that we should work and he'll bless us when we work, we gotta, we, we've got to trust him in that. He knows. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 18, Behold that which I have seen, it is good and comely for, for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor, that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life which God giveth him, for it is his portion. God chooses to bless us through work. He could have chosen that food was just going to fall out of the sky into our lap, that uh, the clothes that we need were going to fall out of the sky, or that the electric bill was just going to get paid miraculously. He said that he's, the way he's going to bless us is by us being working. You know, when we think about it, when God was having food fall out of the sky for the children of Israel in their wilderness wanderings, in the mornings manna was on the ground, in the afternoon quail was there for them to eat. So they had their bread-type food and their meat-type food delivered to them, so to speak, but it didn't get delivered into the tent. They still had to go out and gather it up, yeah. and they was even told how much to gather yeah. per person yeah. so they would have the right amount. So... God, even though when he's blessing us, he doesn't just throw it in our lap for we don't have to do anything for it. we still got to do our part to go get it. Because there's blessing in, in mm-hmm. that and the, and the fulfillment of being able to, to have accomplished something. So God's providing us with the food. God's providing us with the clothing and the shelter. He's doing that through the avenue of the work and being able to be industrious. And so uh, we're blessed as a result. We're blessed from God as a result of work. You know, we talked about our society and the safety nets that's involved. Typically in the, the neighborhoods where people are there that don't have to work, they're living in government housing, they get a government check, all they got to do is just be alive to get all this stuff. Those aren't the more desirable neighborhoods to live in because they've got all this idle time. There's all sorts of maintenance takes place there that they shouldn't be involved in where if they, had, if they were busy and had a job, they wouldn't have time for all this other stuff. All right. So we can see that just in that example of people that's got everything handed to them. They don't have to work. Their lives aren't good. Uh, Their circumstances aren't good. They would be better off maybe with less stuff but working for it. All right, absolutely. Uh, And then one of the blessings, uh, we we talked on and on about blessings tonight from God. One of the blessings that he gives us as a result of work is a good night's sleep. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Ever had that kind of sleep, Josh? I have. It, 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 it is a, sort it, of rewarding. It is a tr- it's absolutely true there. Yeah, you know, when we stagger in from a hard day's work and eat our supper and fall on the bed, we're gone, and the alarm gets us up the next morning. We slept good all night long. Whereas if you'd sat around the house all day, you'd toss and turn all night. That's right. Uh, and so certainly God is blessing us. Kevin's in the chat room uh, from. Uh, he's from Dallas, Tech, on the road in Dallas, Texas tonight. Kevin, thank you for taking time to join us from the road tonight. He references Ephesians 4.28 again. Let he, the thief that no longer steal, but rather, rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And, uh, again, a good admonition for us as well. Uh, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We were built to work. It was in the garden. God knows what's best for us, and that's the way he built us. He designed us to be working, and so therefore we need to be working. It's a command from God. It uh, provides for our needs. It helps us to have the ability to care for the need and provide for the needs of others, and it gives us blessings from God. When we get back for the break, we need to ask the question, how should we approach our work? And that's something that I think, Josh, you'll have some comments on from practical experience, how we should be approaching what the scriptures say about that. And we've got to get to the question as we go along. Does God just expect this for men? Are men the only ones that are supposed to be working? What about women? You can share your comments in the chat room about that uh, now, so we're ready to get on that. Uh, does God expect women to be working? And can we go farther than that? Can we say children? Does God expect should we should expect work from children? What about that? Do the scriptures give us any insight into that? We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. 
Many religious groups use a variety of carnal appeals to draw people to their assemblies. For instance, there are suppers and ice cream socials, ball games and entertainment events, and so forth. When asked to justify these activities, they will commonly refer to the episodes where Jesus fed the multitudes. Some have even said, quote, if you first feed a man's body, then you'll have a chance to feed his soul, unquote. Let's see if their reference to Jesus' activities will actually support their practices. There were two separate instances in which Jesus miraculously fed huge crowds of people with small quantities of food. One time there were 5,000 men plus women and children, Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, John 6. On another occasion, there were 4,000 men plus women and children, Matthew 15, Mark 8. In both of these instances, the people had followed Jesus to hear his marvelous teaching and to see his amazing miracles. There had never been a promise of food to draw them. In fact, both episodes show the people following long distances and for a long time before they were offered food. For example, in Matthew 15, verse 32, we read, quote, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. Do you see it? The people were not lured to follow by an offer of food. The food came afterwards as an act of compassion. The people had not come in anticipation of being fed. We have one reference where Jesus suspected that the people did, in fact, come with the desire to receive food. John 6, beginning verse 22. On that occasion, interestingly, he did not feed them. Those who would use the example of Jesus feeding the multitudes to justify their carnal practices today are simply wrong. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hey, Mommy. Hunter's old. Um, this is the virtual Bible study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you've never been to our website, it is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We encourage you to check it out. You can find past programs there. You can find out more information about the College Church of Christ. You can find out information about a special series of uh, services we're having this weekend, uh, focusing on singing and some singing instruction. Uh, come and find out more about us at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us an email, questions at college. If you have any comments at any time about something you've heard, suggestions for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study, or if you'd just like to request one of those free bumper stickers, questions at collegeview.com. Looking for some comments in the chat room tonight as we talk about work and the Christian's attitude towards it. We've seen very clearly God expects us to be working. How, then, should we be working? Josh, you want to get that started for us? Sure. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10 says, uh, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. So so when we work, we should work hard, not not just half effort. Uh, and and really, when we work as a, as a Christian, when we're, when we're working, we're, we're working and we're setting an example. Uh, we're working really for the Lord when we work, um, but uh, you know a lot of people don't don't do that. They only work when somebody's watching, or they only you know they only want to do just a little bit. And if the guy next to me isn't working real hard, well, I'm going to do a little bit less than him. I'm not going to do any more than than the next guy, uh, and and don't want to work hard. Well, let's talk about that first point you made about doing it all with all of your might. Amani, you probably were told by your mother or your father when you were growing up, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Yeah. Uh, don't do it half-heartedly. Mm-hmm. Don't just throw something together. Uh, we need to be diligent in our work. Well, you know, when we think about our, our secular work, uh, our employers didn't hire us to do shoddy work. Right. They didn't hire us. I'm in manufacturing, so is Josh. Our employers hired us to produce a quality product that they can in turn and sell for a reasonable fair price. And they can make money, and it's a trickle-down kind of thing. They make money, then we get paid, and we make money. So it, it, we're all tied together in this. And so, But we've got to think about what did they hire us to do. They didn't hire me to sit around and do nothing at work or to sneak around and try to avoid work. They hired me to produce a product. And right. so that's an agreement we had. I didn't take the job saying, well, you know, I'll, I'll come to work, but... Uh, don't expect me to do anything. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've got a stool over I need to keep tied down. That's not what we were hired for. We was hired to do a particular job, whatever our job is. Whatever it may be. With the understanding that this is what I'm expected to produce, 
and this is what I'm expecting you to pay me for it. So if I'm expecting to get paid, I need to take care of my end of the deal. Otherwise, I've been dishonest with them. And to be doing it, uh, doing a good job at it, absolutely. 877-381-4567. The chat room is uh, a little bit quiet here. You've got a job to do in there now. Let's uh, be doing it with all your might. Send in those comments, Sam. Uh, you referenced, uh, Josh, uh, the idea of just doing it when other people are looking. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning verse 5, tells us uh, that that certainly is not acceptable. Sure. Yeah. Ephesians 6, verse 5 says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that whatsoever doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Yeah, so definitely, that... that Set of verses there tells us that we're working for working for the Lord when we work, and it's not just uh, and He sees all the time. So you know, it's not just when the supervisor, the boss man is oh that's when I got to work, and the rest of the time I'll just kick back. And we should be working uh, whether anybody's looking or not. That's that shows our character, and that's the kind of character that God wants from us. All right, uh, we're working, and uh, Kenton in his email says we should approach our work as if we were laboring for the Lord. Well, that puts a different perspective on it. Well, ultimately, we are laboring for the world, for the Lord, because the people we're working for, our employer, our immediate supervisor, may not be a Christian at all. And we may have, by the good example we set in doing our work, create an opportunity to teach him about God, to teach him about Jesus, convert him so that he can go to heaven. If we're slothful and lazy and not doing a good job, we're doing poor quality work, like Josh talked about earlier, when we do bother to show up, and then it's not good work, he's not going to want to be like us. There's not going to be anything in our life that he wants to emulate that he sees a, a better way of going. So we've got to set lead by example, and we've got to be able to talk to people too, but we've got to lead by example, and that example we set might make a difference in somebody else's life. All right, because we realize that we've got a higher calling, Josh, that we're working for something more than just this life, that we're working for something with eternal reward. Well, the Christians should be the best employees that there are. Yeah. You know, I mean, they... Because of because of the commands from God, because of we know the reason why we should be working, because of working for the Lord. So there shouldn't be a better employee than than the Christian in the workplace. All right, uh, I think you probably see folks though who do not have this approach, and it's sure. it's a habit and and a mindset with them. It is. It is. Uh, I can I can think of several examples right now. You know, if if a lot of a lot of material comes in and and it needs two or three people to go at it. There'll always be the one person that can think, ah, now looks like a good time to sweep the floor and grab a broom and, and walk away. But that's that's not how it should be at all. I mean, that's that's the task that I'm assigned to do. That's the task that they're assigned to do. And so we should just do it, especially because we know that, that God's watching us. All right. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Uh, Kevin references in the chat room Proverbs 12, verse 24, the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. There certainly are blessings from having initiative and uh, and being a diligent hard worker. And, uh, and again, that's the way God's chosen to, the avenue he's chosen for giving us blessings. You know, when you see someone at work that is diligent, they're a hard worker, they're staying on top of the job, they're doing their job well, producing a quality product, whatever it might be, that's the kind of person that supervisors looking for to, to make lead man and to promote them to where they eventually get to the point they ain't having to do the physical labor because they can teach people how to do it and to do a good job of it. So that you, you're rewarded and blessed by that. All right. And typically that outgoing person is the one that winds up getting more raises and making more money. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Work like you're working for the Lord is the way Kent put it in his email and certainly is the way that it's expressed in Ephesians chapter five, 6, verses 5 through 8. Uh, let's talk about another thing that we need to do as we think about our work. We need to be working diligently. We need to be working like we're working for the Lord, not as uh, with eye service as man-pleasers, but diligently working as unto the Lord. We need to do this without murmuring and complaining about our job. And I suppose... That that is a universal trait that we could find at every workplace across the world today. It's folks that are complaining 
about their job. Ever happen at your workplace, Josh? Sure. Yeah. yeah it comes to you probably. You hear the complaints. Absolutely. Uh, Monty, the same for you. It's everywhere I've ever worked. Everywhere you've ever worked. Oh, the boss is crazy. <laughs> He's out of his mind. What are they trying to do to us now? We're, they're gonna. We're all gonna. We're, we're never gonna make it. Lots of complaining. Lots of murmuring. Over and over again in the scriptures, we're told not to murmur and complain, and yet we do it so readily on the job. You know, Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. So when we're complaining and griping about our job all the time, we're violating this command here. We're, we're sinning when we complain about our work. Um, it, it is. It is a, a, a problem. One of the reasons it's a problem is because our our job is a blessing from God. We've talked about mm-hmm. that. The fact that the, we have the, the fact we have the ability to work is a blessing from God. There are many folks who don't. That it's a blessing from God to actually be able to work. The the result of our work is blessings from God and be able to provide for our needs and supply the needs of others. Why would we then complain against God who's given us those blessings? The Israelites were notorious for that money as you mentioned about complaining about the manna complaining about uh, the quail complaining about everything and they were condemned for it deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 as they're getting ready to go into the promised land the land that would be flowing with milk and honey they would be eating uh from vineyards that they didn't plant and enjoying all the fat of the land he told them, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. We ought to be thankful to God that we have the ability to get the blessings that we have, to be able to provide for our needs. Rather than complaining, oh, this job is, nobody ought to have to do this job. Then, you know, I've just, I've been cursed to have to work here. We ought to be thankful for our jobs and the ability to work. Well, one thing to think about in, in the country that we live in, especially, nobody's assigned to me the work that I that I do. For whatever reason, I pick the trade, the, the job that I'm doing, and so nobody's making me do it. Even now, I could pick a new one if I wanted to. So, if it's so bad, instead of murmuring and griping about it, just do something about it. Go find another better job. If you don't like this one, go get another one. The door's open. Make the most of it. And uh, th- that really ought to be our attitude. And like I say, God, give us the, one, the job I've got. Uh, I could be like the crippled people or the disabled people that we re- read about in the New Testament that all they could do was sit around and beg for somebody for handouts. I don't have to do that. I can go to work. I can do a good day's, honest day's worth of work. I get paid a fair wage for it. And then I can go to the grocery store and, and get food and the other necessities that I have. So it's, it's really a good process, and it's, I've benefited well from it. So I shouldn't be complaining. Yeah. Uh, we should not complain. We've got to work on this mindset, Josh. Again, I think it's, it is a, a habit, a mindset, and one that we've got to break ourselves out of. And, and people's attitudes haven't really changed. Like you were talking about the children of Israel, when they, uh, when they were under Egyptian bondage, well, they were complaining, and then God let them out of that, and then they got out in the wilderness and then started complaining, and then just, you just see the process. They never, never were satisfied, and some people will never be satisfied. But we're supposed to be content with what we've got. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And so when we're working and God's blessing us, we ought to be content with that. Kyle, you ever see that at your workplace? Oh, of course. I mean, it's something that I do, uh, especially sometimes the nature of the work that uh, some of the well people that are no, they're well the people that uh, help take care, direct care on patients. Yeah. I know you see a lot of a lot of that. I, I'm going to have to admit, Kyle. I'd have there will be times I'd be tempted to complain in your line of work. Yeah, which I, I mean, know that, that, uh, when that bedpan is full, you know, that would be a time when it's over full. <laughs> yeah, I might yeah, have, I might have to have, I, but you can't complain. You got to be no. Know. Which I know. I think about uh, which one in First uh, Peter chapter two and verse eighteen. It's uh, talks about the servants be submissive to your masters with all respect, not uh, only to those who are good and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor for its uh, sake of conscience toward God, and a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. So it's you know. I do have. Sometimes you have supervisors you have to you argue with, and no, well, not argue with, just have disagreements with, and just ways of doing things. Or maybe but, a hard, uh, a hard taskmaster. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's just something we gotta persevere through. Have the right attitude. Thank you for that, Kyle. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu.com. But I think if we'll understand why we're working, it'll help us have the right attitude toward our work. If we understand I'm doing this because this is what God told me to do. 
if I'm doing this because it's providing for my needs and it's giving me the opportunity to help others, if I'll do this realizing that there's blessings associated with whatever this task or job may be, if I'll keep those things in mind, it's going to be harder for me to complain about what I'm doing Monday morning on the job. When we keep our eyes on the goal is really what it boils down to. The goal is not what we're doing right now. I mean, our goal is not to get up and go to work, but our goal is the rewards that comes from that work. So if we'll focus on the goal, then what we have to do in between is just a step in a way, a stepping stone to get into that goal so it's not so bad. All right. We're going to get our last break, and when we get back, we're going to the top of the hour with a couple more questions. Is work only expected of men? What about women? What about children? Who is expected to be working? And then when we get to the the end of the program, we want to ask the question, is our secular work unimportant or insignificant? I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. You know, well, I'm not a preacher. i got to go do this other work, but I really wish I wasn't doing it. Is my secular work unimportant? We'll get to that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be at the top of the hour right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College of Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spirit and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for Him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. According to a new Gallup survey, a record number of Americans now consider as morally acceptable many behaviors that the Bible condemns. For instance, sex between an unmarried man and woman, 69% believe that is morally acceptable. Gay or lesbian relations, 63% acceptable. Having a baby outside of wedlock, 62% acceptable. Medical research using stem cells obtained from human embryos, 61% find that morally acceptable. Doctor-assisted suicide, 57% acceptable. Abortion, 43% find it morally acceptable. Pornography, 36% acceptable. Sex between teenagers, 36% see it as morally acceptable. Suicide, 18% acceptable. Polygamy, 17% acceptable. Married men and women having an affair, 9% see it as morally acceptable. That information is via the Gospel Coalition. The Word of God says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 13, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight talking about God's will for us in the area of work and our attitude towards our work. What should it be? 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. God designed us to be working. It's in our fabric. It's in our design. We need to be busy working. We asked the question before the break, is work just expected of men? I think, Monty, a lot of times we focus that on men, but the scriptures are very clear that women need to be working as well. That's right, Jacob. You know, what God has given us, as we think of it, men uh, certain responsibilities and, and roles to fulfill in the family, but he's also given the wife certain her own responsibilities and roles that need to be fulfilled. And so even though she may not be out in the public workforce so to speak there's still plenty for her to do at home uh the god's talked about the wife is to be the keeper at home and she's to guide the house that way and so there's lots of work for the woman to do in that regard all right uh, proverbs chapter 31 is a famous passage about the virtuous woman and notice some of the characteristics that she possessed some of the things she was involved in and it almost makes you tired just reading it. Notice what she was doing there in Proverbs 31, beginning verse 10, just highlighting some of the, the the industry that she was involved in. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. 
She bringeth her food from afar. Monty's thinking that may be a barbecue, but uh, that's, she's not bringing it from that kind of far. Uh, she's bringing her food from afar. Uh, she rises also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. I mean, she's, she's going, she's getting up before the sun even comes up to get food ready. She's planting vineyards. She layeth her hand to the spindle, and her uh, hands hold the distaff. She maketh fine linen, and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. A very industrious woman here, and she's praised for her industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's clear that God expects women to be active just as men are. Yeah, that's right, because when you think about this woman here and all she's done... Uh, I just think in my household, my wife has to stay pretty busy and do a lot of work just to clean up after me. And so, you know, she's got work to do. Uh, and this woman in Proverbs 31, it says she considers a field and buy it. So she's looking around and finding bargains. And she's this plot of land because she's going to buy it. And then it talks about then she t- plants a vineyard on it. So even has she's bought it at a good price, then she's making it be productive after that. So she's had a lot to do. And just to getting up before daylight and providing you know, make sure everybody's fed before they leave for work or whatever their various duties through the day are. She's taking care of that. So. She's making fabric, and she's mm-hmm. doing that from the raw material there. She's yeah. looking for the wool and the flax, and she's spinning that into yarn and thread and making the fabric. from. She's a very busy woman, uh, and uh, it's clear from, from this passage and others that God expects that of women. That's right. Yeah, I think I think some would look at it and say, well, one, one role, a man's role or a woman's role or whatever is more important than the other, but... Uh, you see, they're both important. I mean, and, and so if a, if a woman isn't going out to a to a job, there's still a lot of work to do, and it's an important role, taking care of the family, taking care of the household, and so both of them are important. Yeah, Philip has chimed in the chat room. He says, notice the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. Or Amen to that, Philip. Certainly uh, a, a working woman that uh, God has praised here. Uh, First Timothy chapter 5, we mentioned earlier in verse 11, beginning talking about the younger widows that, that were to be refused for when they wax, begin to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry having damnation because they have cost, cast off their first faith. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattles, tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. The younger women were told, you need to marry so that you have these things to do to keep mm-hmm. you busy. God expects women not to just be sitting around on the couch all day, but to be busy and industrious. You know, when you, when you think about it, uh, they've got children and they're guiding the house. Uh, two of our grandchildren spent the night with us last night, and Tina had them all day today. And I expect when I get home, Tina's going to be tired from her interaction with them all day. But, you know, raising children is, is a lot Absolutely. of work to it. It's work. not just I'm going to sit back on the couch and watch the little ones run and play in the yard. You have to get, they require a lot of attention, a lot of effort goes into raising children. And our wives work a lot harder at home during the day while they're taking care of the kids, while we're out uh, many times working for uh the, on, for the, on the, for job. the money, yeah, you know, and the guide in the house is a big deal because it's not just something just to sit around and watch TV, but these activities that have to be done throughout the day, and basically what she's talking about seems to me is being a good manager of her time so that she can get these things, these duties and responsibilities that she has done. Well, in doing that, uh, she's setting a good example. She's guiding the children and teaching them how to do that same thing. Over and over, we read Jesus talking about when he was making defense of himself, like for healing on the Sabbath, he said, well, I'm just doing what I've seen the Father do. And so our children are going to do what they see us do. If they see us sit around and being lazy, then we've taught them to sit around and be lazy. If they see us being industrious like this Proverbs 31 woman that was reading about, she's applying herself to her various responsibilities and accomplishing them, then we can teach them just by example without a word they're going to know how to do these things. Yeah, we've got time for your thoughts. Uh, send them in the chat room tonight. Dorcas is an example for us in that in Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Remember Dorcas, also known as Tabitha. Now there's a Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. And notice this. Uh, when Peter comes, uh, they brought him into the upper chamber. And all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. 
they were sorrowful for Dorcas because of the example and encouragement she had been to by mm-hmm. them by the good things that she had done, the, the work that she had done, yeah. the physical labor that she had done in helping care for those that were around her. Uh, that's an example for m- women as well as men uh, that uh, that we need to be busy, men and women. Well, we asked the question, what about children? Should we expect work? from children. Gentlemen, have a thought on that? Well, we've been talking about the adults, both male and female, and that they have a responsibility given by God to work. If we expect our children to do that, as they, when they become adults, then we need to teach them to do it while they're young. We shouldn't, at some magical age, 18 or 21 years old, they've sat around and done that all up till then. Now, all of a sudden, okay, you've reached the age, go work. Well, they're not going to know how. They're not going to have a clue how to do it. It's sort of like in school. I got along pretty easy in grade school without ever having to do much studying because the classes, it seemed like, was easy. Then when I got to high school and I needed to know how to study, I didn't know how to do it because I'd never done it before. Yeah. And so if we want our children to be successful in life, physically successful, and and they're, and also and spiritually, spiritually successful, successful to go along with that, then we need to expect, we're going to have to tr- teach them to do it. Yeah. And so even when they're little bitty kids, I remember a few years ago when Scott Smeltzer was here and we had done a Bible study in the park and he was talking about the family relationship and there was responsibility that his three-year-old had to do and she wasn't doing it and she was getting punished for it. But even as young as a three-year-old, she had responsibilities. Now, hers wasn't as great as the six-year-old or the ten-year-old or the teenage child, but the child still had responsibilities. He was teaching her to fulfill them. And so that's what we've got to start with our children when they're very young really probably from the moment of birth, and then go forward from there. Ephesians 6, verse 4, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Part of God's will for us is that we be working, just like he doesn't want us to lie, and so we teach our young children. When they're three years old and they didn't obey us and they want to lie about it, you know, you, you don't lie. Same with work. Young children need to be taught uh, from a very early age about work and and. It, it's our obligation to be working and be busy. You know, I know with our small grandchildren, when they come over the house, there's a big container of toys that they get to play with. So they drag them out, and they're all over the place. But when their parents get there and they decide that it's time for them to go, they say, all right, let's pick up the toys. Then they understand that part of their job at that point is to get these toys put up and back in that container. And they do it because they've been taught to. Here's what Kent said about this. He said, God expects some type of work from all accountable individuals insofar as ability permits. He references Ephesians 4.28. Regarding women, work and caring for the home is very crucial. So I like what he says here. God expects some type of work from all accountable individuals insofar as they are able. It's a good good, uh, way to put it, Kent. Thank you for that tonight. Now, last question. We're running out of time. Is my secular job unimportant? You know, a lot of times maybe, Josh, someone might feel guilty because "Eh, I'm not a preacher i got to go to this 9 to 5, think of all the things I could be doing for the Lord if I didn't have this job. Is our secular job unimportant? Well, we've already already made the point a little bit that when we work, even in a secular job, we're working for the Lord. We're showing a good example. We might be able to have an opportunity to teach others in our workplace if we're there. And we're you know, and it's sort of like, sort of like Jesus. You know, so we're, we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world. He had to go to where the people were in order to teach them, and so, yeah, I may not be a I may not be a preacher, but when I'm in the workplace, I've got opportunity to be a good example by working, but I've also got opportunity to interact and teach others. Ephesians chapter six verse eight says, uh, "When you're doing your your work, you're doing it as unto the Lord, not unto men, knowing that whatever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether it be bond or free." On my secular job, I'm doing the Lord's work. That's right. Uh, so there really is there, the, the idea of a secular job is not something that's taught in the scriptures. When I'm at work, whatever that may be, digging ditches, cleaning the bathrooms, I'm working for the Lord. I'm doing the Lord's work. Well, something we need to think of. You mentioned the, some people say, "Well, I'm not a preacher, so I'm not really my job doesn't amount to nothing." Well, in Ephesians 4:11 says, "Gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers." Well, he gave. When we think of it as our, our work. Everybody can't be the preacher. Some of us don't have the skills, the right. aptitude, or, right. or whatever to be a preacher. But I can go to work, and I can earn a living. 
And when I contribute to the Lord's work on the first day of the week, if I've been commanded, that helps to support preachers. If we can support when we do that, I might not can be the preacher, but I can help the preacher by contributing my share of the money so that he can do his job. There you go. Matthew 10.42, And whoever shall give uh, to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. We do our secular work as unto the Lord we're serving him, but mm-hmm. we, with the proceeds of that work, we're doing the Lord's work. So is my secular job unimportant, something I should be ashamed of or, or uh, somehow uh, look down on? No. My secular job is very important. I'm working for the Lord when I'm working on my secular job. All right. Uh, we are out of time. Any comments, Kyle, from you? Uh, no, I can't go along with uh, what Josh was saying about, uh, you know, we're at work and we have the opportunity. I think if we are behaving like a Christian should and we're we're working and we're not griping and we're just working hard, hitting it, and, you know, uh, we're going to be uh, – Christians are called to be, you know, we're a peculiar people. So we're probably going to stand out at work anyway based on our peculiar behavior of not complaining and working hard. And yeah. So I think that should be a good opportunity for us to set an example. And if others ask, you know, you know, why are you just, you know, you're, just, you're always quiet. You know, why are you always so quiet? Why are you always just, you know, why are you working to, so hard? That's yeah. a great opportunity for you to, you know, like to say, you know, why I behave this way and why, you know, this, it's a good time to evangelize. Thanks. All that's, right. Good. Thank you for being here tonight, Kyle, to help us get on the, on the air. Uh, Monty, thank you for your time, your good thank comments. You, Josh as well, thank you. Thanks for, for having you. me. Certainly it's important to be working, have the right attitude towards it. Uh, the scriptures are very clear on that. Hope that uh, things we've said tonight have been helpful to you and uh, in your life, and we hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.